Welcome to the Reading Aloud Podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us. And a baby. (laughs) Enjoy. All right. So guess what holiday it is coming up? What's that? You you can't guess. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sucks because it's like my favorite holiday yes i know yeah it's valentine's day yeah love day it's love day we talk about love it all the day. time if you really want to know why we love it so much even though everybody tries to hate on it because it's a hallmark holiday listen to our other episodes that are on or around the 14th of february there's like 16 or 17 of them that we talk that about we talk love. about valentine's day we talk about how much we love valentine's day We just talk about how much we love love and it's just such a great opportunity to just take a moment, focus on the things you love and go from there. Yeah. And, you know, one of our other favorite uh, influencers slash people in the world made this same point that we make about Valentine's Day, Laurel. Oh, did she? Yeah. 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 And you showed Well, you you follow her more closely than I do, but like you showed me that section where she was like, it's a day to celebrate love. So do it. Yes. So we put out a survey on our social media. So at the Reading Aloud podcast, and we asked the question, what are your relationship hacks? So in preparation for Valentine's Day weekend, we are going to talk about the answers people gave and then kind of our discussion on it. So get ready for this. It's so fun. Thank you all to those who contributed. I hope you're out there listening, feeling very excited that your suggestion got picked. Yeah. And before we start reading them, um, and I want us to give our favorite ones too, but in your opinion, what is a hack and why is it important? A hack is something that you have figured out works almost every time. A hack is kind of a little bit more of a modern term. Like we haven't always used the word hacks. And I mean, hacks are just essentially tips and tricks in my opinion. And you can have a hack in any different aspect of your life. There's like home improvement hacks and don't use this instead of glue and all these different things. And so, and relationships are an area and your partnerships are an area where we thought it would be interesting to explore hacks and explore tips and tricks. What do people do to make their relationship better, to improve their relationship, to improve their communication, to improve their planning or, or how they fight or how they argue. And what do people do in those situations? What are their tips and tricks? And I'm excited to explore that. I also think it's interesting because some of these are things that I think you could use in any situation. Yeah. So they're so we're really, gonna go one by one. Yeah, yeah, they're really good in relationships, but I think they're also good just in life. All right. Did you write this one? <laughs> No, I did not personally write any of these. I'm curious to hear what you say. I haven't looked at these in a while. Holding hands while we're having a discussion or argument. So showing love to one another during a hard time. I actually Mm. think you wrote all of these. Love it. Love it. Well, because I'm a hacking expert. Well, it sounds like you somehow naturally you've been able to determine things that other people also agree are really helpful for their relationship. So in other words, like now we have a consensus. And so anytime I want to be like, no, that's stupid. You're like, well, the rest of the world feels this way. (laughs) Read it again. Read it again. Holding hands while having a discussion or argument, showing love to one another during a hard time. 
in my opinion, touch and touching, and actually you've asked this for this before, but like physical touch of somebody while you're sussing something out, it's grounding in your foundation of love and keeping you, it's a connection point to that. Because a lot of times when you're in an argument or fighting with each other, you lose connection with the bigger picture and you start to, and I'm very accountable to this. You start to get off topic of why are we actually arguing? You bring in other things, you know, you bring in all these other different potential resentments that you have, or you bring in things that aren't related to the argument. And I think that by maintaining touch with somebody or holding hands, you can still have an argument. You can still be upset, but I think it grounds you more in what are we upset about? Let's get through this. Yeah. I I I would see that working. I would say that it almost instantly dissipates and lessens the intensity of the feeling. It's like a mental trigger for oh, this is somebody that I love, not somebody that I'm, even though I'm frustrated or angry at this person, it's, they are also someone I love. And I think it can be really easy to get swallowed in the frustration and not focus on the love, but it's like a constant reminder of the love. And I know that that's true because there are times when, you know, we're so upset at each other that we, we want to be far away from each other, you know? And so I think that that's true. Okay. Wait, I do see a downfall in this one. I do see a downfall in this one. That I don't like sweaty palms. <laughs> if your palms are sweaty, sweaty palms and hand. too much pressure. Do not squeeze my hand until it's blue. Correct. Okay. Um, <laughs> this one's a big one, but we have a lot. I don't want to take too much time, but sex for connection. Mm. Tell me what your friends said that they do during their feedback. This was pioneered by a friend of theirs. And so this is not our idea. I don't want to take any sort of credit for it, but like, I think what they do is they have feedback sessions where they give each other pieces of feedback. And then after they've issued some feedback, like, hey, I need you to be doing this more, sometimes difficult to hear, they have some sort of erotic connection. Uh, It doesn't have to be full on sex, but there's some sort of erotic connection. Is it erotic or or intimate? Oh, it's probably intimate. (laughs) They have some sort of intimate connection Uh after that. Yeah. Uh I don't know. In your fantasy. It's just like it's um intimate connection, which means like cuddling. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, there's I don't know how they do it. We haven't practiced this. So, but yeah, there's some sort of intimate connection. Kissing, kissing, cuddling, potentially sex. Exactly. You know, it's so interesting because before marriage, I would say sex for connection was a shallow way to connect. Like, I don't know. That's always been ingrained in my mind. Like you can't get closeness just by having sex. And I think that that's because people use Mm. that as a way to get closeness when there isn't depth. But now that I am in a relationship where there is depth, I totally think sex brings connection. You know, after having a baby, sex changes, especially Mm -hmm. because of sleep deprivation and the healing of the body. And then like, when do you find time? Right. And we've had this experience of we'll go for a couple of days and we'll start to get on each other's nerves. And then like, there's this point where I'm like, I wonder if we just like had sex, even though we're not really that into each other and we're more like roommates, it we're in that space than we are or in co-parenting space yeah. than we are in super relational space. And it totally works. It changes the dynamic. Yeah. And usually we'll have sex pretty shortly after that too. Like there's like consecutive nature to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, the nice part. Sex begets sex, like sleep begets right, sleep for exactly. babies. Yeah. We've said that before. Oh, and I want you to share one more thing. And I know we're moving through these quickly, but I want you to share one more thing. You've always brought up some wisdom 
Wisdom by Esther Perel. She was on a podcast. I think it was an on being with Krista Tippett and Esther Perel's a relationship. She's a therapist. I think she's a coach. Yeah, she does workshops. She talks a lot about relationships. And she had said in that she was like, after you have a baby, you can't be running around chasing each other. So it's from her book, Mating in Captivity. So it's like, it's inevitable. I love that title. But it, it, and, and I mean, talk about mating in captivity in a pandemic, right? Yeah. I mean, like that's legitimate. Yeah. So she talks about, you know, you can't be running around chasing each other because now you have this other focus, which is the baby. So she's like, so how do you then find connection time? And I think most parents would say it, ha- it changes. And so she suggests a little bit of sex every day. So it's just like a moment of sex, which, you know, maybe some people find that unsatisfying, but like, it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just like two minutes. It's not necessarily about completion or anything. It's just like connection in the most intimate way that in a way that you would not have with anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of brilliant. If you can make it work. Well, it works about as much as two minutes of meditating every day. Sounds super easy, but it's yeah, it's not as easy as it sounds. Right. Because if it was, you would do it. Right. And, And so it's interesting. Our first two suggestions have both been, uh, touch related. Yeah. You know, touching related. So number three. Who did number three? Uh, Molly from Chattanooga. Awesome. Sunday p.m., Monday a.m. alignment meetings where you check schedules, divvy up the to-dos, plan fun things for the week. Yeah. So that's different than what we do on Sundays at times, which is the feedback sessions. This is just like a get on the same page. That's a good one because the worst thing is for it to be like Wednesday and like, who's picking up the baby? Wait, (laughs) I have a meeting tomorrow, you know? And then you're like, what the shit? I am terrible at that. Yeah. Yeah. I have friends that have family meetings and they say it really works to get on the same page. And when we've done it, it works. Yeah. I mean, what, what this screams to me is like having set time for alignment with your significant other and partner, you're in kind of constant communication about your days. Typically, you're, you know, you're just kind of talking and communicating constantly and checking in. And so sometimes it doesn't feel like there needs to be a set aside time for, hey, what are the schedules? Let's line it up. Even though it doesn't feel like that, you get throughout the week and you're like, oh, I didn't know you were having that. And I assumed this. And and one thing they also say, too, is to plan fun things. I found that that to me seems super helpful. Like if you don't actually begin to schedule in space and, and time for fun and for actual spaciousness, it's easy to to get caught up. And we've had this conversation, especially for me, it's easy to get caught up in the tasks. There's always the floor to be swept or dishes to be done. And if you haven't said, Hey, this is our space to connect, or this is our space to have fun. I think it's really smart. I love that. I think as the weather there warms up, we should have like a Friday afternoon fun time. And you know, it, it can be, it can be solo time. It can be with other friends, but a commitment to a Friday afternoon fun time, uh, forced fun. Yeah. Yeah. You used to do that at work. All right. Forced fun. It was forest fun, but then everybody started calling it forced fun. Oh, I didn't even hear that. That's amazing. Yeah. So at, at your job, it's- we're a forest protection organization. And so we would have Fridays once or twice a month where we would all go the staff would go hiking in the forest and we called it forest fun. But then it was also something that you like had to do on Friday for work, which it's nice to get out in the woods, but it's also like still you're with your work colleagues. So it kind of became forest fun. That's so funny. So we're about to have some forced fun in this <laughs> forced family. Fun. Forced okay. fun. And number four, this one is Wheezy from Nashville. 
so timeouts in conflict. My brain goes too quickly when I'm in conflict and I can say things I don't mean. I hate conflict and try to push through it too quickly because I think I immediately know my true feelings. It's unkind to my partners who typically need more time to process when I rush through conflict. I try to step outside and breathe and feel more grounded. And they add, you know, especially with mental illness, they're bipolar. So they need to do this with each partner each time they have conflict, which I think the reference to the mental illness comes back to how fast the brain works in times of conflict and how the kind of impulsivity to just say the first thing that you think, but you're so sure it's true. But I, I mean, I can relate to that, that kind of impulsivity to just say the first thing that comes to my mind, not even to think it through. Yeah. I mean, I, and that my partner likes to take things slowly. Yeah. So when folks are listening to the Reading Lab podcast, they put it on normal speed for when you're talking and 1.5 times when I'm talking. I think this is real. Yeah, totally. I mean, clearly, I think this is an important one. In general, space is really important. The thing that the I... The pause button? The pause button. The pause button is really important. The, the problem that I personally find with this, I find often when I place the pause button on... I will I will relax about some anger or frustration that I had around that situation. And then the situation will move on. We will move on. We will get doing something else, say. But then it's an excuse for me as a little bit of a conflict avoidant person to not actually share myself and bring it up. And so then I have this kind of conflict in my mind. Oh, is now a good time to share? Is now a good time to share? I don't want to screw up a good moment by sharing a piece of feedback that upset me earlier. And I have this ongoing dialogue over and over and over about like, well, should I share that? And then usually, and I'm getting better at this, but like usually I haven't. And then it'll show up someplace else that it wasn't really, it shouldn't have showed up or it was, you know, unnecessary too. And so- I'm just saying that because the pause button is important and also there's a proactiveness that I need to have around sharing my feelings and emotions with you that I also need to balance that with. So this feels kind of character specific then. So if you're the kind of person that pushes pause, like, so what I'm hearing is like, I'm looking at like a, like a thermometer and you get frustrated about something and you're like, and so then when you push pause, you kind of go almost down to the cool zone and, and then it, yep. it's really dissipates. Whereas on the thermometer, I can go much higher. So pushing the pause button takes me to like a normal place that where I still am experiencing feelings. I just have moved from a place of like urgency around the issue. Hmm. Yep. I think that's right. Yeah. Glad you learned something from that one. <laughs> <laughs> That one that was specifically for you. Hey, I'm always here to learn. I'm here to learn. Okay. Learn and grow. Thank you, Neo. Hey, hey, we hope you're enjoying this episode of the Reading Aloud podcast. If you're interested in learning more or inquiring about working directly with Marisol's fashion therapy or Adam's modern man training, you can totally do that. You can find Marisol at soulreflection.com. That's S-O-L reflection.com or follow her on social media at Soul Reflection. You can email Adam directly at adam at modern-man.org. We hope to hear from you. Now let's get back to today's conversation. This one's so good. Never fight when hungry. I mean, whoever, I don't know at what point the term hangry came around, but it wasn't there when I was little. And I don't think there was 
any, I mean, I just never remember being taught that like you can hit a level of unreasonability simply because you're hungry, like a blood sugar related, mentally unreasonable. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm with you. I don't remember hearing that phrase, when... but that would have been helpful because sometimes you say stuff and yeah, all you need is a snack. That? Who started that? Hangry? If somebody knows. Yeah. The hangry, like, well, I'm sure they listen to the podcast. Whoever is who started. Of course it. they do. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's but like, totally But true. even the concept of angry because you're hungry, like that you're emotional because you're hungry. I just think it came with the development of like acknowledging more a range of emotions and acknowledging anger as an okay emotion. It's yeah. like a way to help explain anger because mm-hmm. for so long, you know, growing up, like, don't be angry. Right. Like that's the message you right. hear. Like anger is not okay, right. but it's one of many emotions. It's there for a reason. It tell it's a signal for that. Something's not right in your life. Right. Um, and that, and healthier relationships with food too, probably also supported that. Right. 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 To like understand the cues in your body around food. Like, am I, you know, I have passed like for me, blood sugar, blood sugar. Yeah. Like I, you know, I used to go past the point of hunger because I was like, well, it's not dinner time. But then I learned that uh, my particular constitution, blood sugar made me crash more often. And so I was getting hangry. And then I thought I was just moody, but it was really more around the food. It was, it was almost solely focused on crashes in blood sugar rather than your personality or yeah. what kind of, you know, you were emotional. It wasn't, it was just literally a, the constitution it's, as you it said. It was physiological. Yeah. It was yep. bi- biological. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But so, oh, wait, real quick. Yes. What other things should you not do when hungry? Uh, because I've always heard grocery shop. Don't grocery shop. Don't hungry. grocery shop. Don't fight hungry. What else? What in our in a relationship should you not do with hungry? Try to decide what to eat. Oh, yeah. You should already know what you're going to eat. You should already know what you're going to eat. Because you know what happens oh gosh, when I'm hungry? We're getting into my suggested hack for the end. Anyway, go on. Wait, you, know, <laughs> you know what happens when you ask me what I want to eat when I'm already hungry? The answer is either sushi or pizza, hands down every time, yeah. or... I don't know. And then you're like, can I make you this delicious meal with all the love and intention in the world, gourmet style home cooking? And I'm like, gross. Yeah. Like it's too late. You can't feed me. It's too late. Yeah. Assume positive intent before assuming. No, that one got messed up in the. Uh, I, I remember reading this one. Um, it was assume positive intent, uh, ask questions before assuming. Okay. Like seek clarification before assuming. But those are two different things, assuming positive intent and seeking clarification. So seeking clarification is like, can you clarify what you mean by that? Seeking clarification. So when you, oh, but you would seek clarification when you assume positive intent. So essentially like if somebody says something that you think is off color, instead of assuming that they're rude and trying to hurt your feelings or that was off color, you say, Hey, can you clarify what you mean by that? We talk a lot about, especially in relationships and, and especially in, you know, our conversations around racial justice and, you know, how certain situations impact people of color. When there's this phrase, you know, intent over impact, that it might not have been your intent to do something, but that was the impact that was felt. And that is incredibly important to acknowledge and super relevant to the time and place in which we live in to this, right? So in a relationship, there's trust 
uh, there's, I guess I'm assuming here that in your relationship, there's at least a certain level of trust and connection. If somebody does something that impacts you a certain way, if you are assuming, assuming positive intent, it allows you to ask a question to that person. Be like, what did you mean by that clarification? And I want to be clear here. That is really only in like a tight relationship out there in the world. It's that's a much different scenario. And we need, there's a broader definition of intent versus impact. But in a relationship, I think this one is super key because that question asking really centers and grounds people in a space where there's trust, where there's responsibility. And I think accountability is more likely to blossom within that scenario. Yeah. I think that is, I think you have to hit the pause button to seek clarification because that knee jerk reaction to be like, ouch, it's, it's just, and you get to know people so well that you think I already know what they mean by this, because this is a repeat of the last 50 times this thing happened. (laughs) Or I just like, when you say, what did you mean by that? Then the person's like, has a moment to reflect and they're like, well, this is what I meant. And then it feels like gaslighting because they right. changed their story. Ooh, like, really they, good. like they, like yeah. they, they said something that meant something it and allows it, them to backpedal. It does. Mm-hmm. And it, and then they get to kind of come up with a new definition. Well, what I meant was it still alerts them that like that didn't come off very well, the way you said it. So maybe they would think about how they said it in the future. And it also indicates like, Hey, I heard that. Mm-hmm. What, but I think the part that got kind of like bugs me is when people then change up their story and they're like, well, what I meant was this and this and this. And I'm like, well, what you said was this and this and this. Yeah, and what it sounded like one. was this and this and this found that sometimes with you, don't you think? Like I say yeah. something and you're like, you know, you don't want to have meant what you said. So then you're like, no, it kind of meant yeah. something else. Yeah. And, you know, just as you said, like I have a habit sometimes of just like you'll speak before you think. And sometimes I will do the same in my own way where I kind of just start flowing and talking and talking. And I'll get to a point in my dialogue and conversation where I haven't really fully thought through. And I'll kind of go into this natural I'll call it a brainstorming space. It's not really that, but it's kind of like just a, I'm just expressing my thoughts and they're not really grounded in the situation or in reality or in the context of where we're at. And they will be hurtful Mm -hmm. um, because I'll get ahead of myself because I talk too much and I provide too much context. And so you're talking too much right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) So, but that's where it'll run in with me, you know, and the intent is not there, but the impact is there and it's a behavior that I continually need to work on. Yeah. And I really like my quick wittedness. Like just then, like I took a risk, like you talking too much (laughs) right now. It's like, that could have hurt your feelings. I mean, I didn't expect it to, and it didn't. Right. No, not at all. Right. But it could have. Yeah. And I like to take kind of risks like that. It's like spunky personality, but yeah. All right. Last one. And then I'm going to, we're going to give our own. Um, if you have expectations around something, share them with your partner. They can't read your mind. Mm, Did you write this one? No. Yeah. Mm -mm. No, but it's true. Like it, it is hard when you go internal, when you're processing through your stuff. What I've learned is, is that you're not doing that to exclude me, even though I feel excluded and I feel kind of lost of like, how should I approach this situation? Something's up with Adam, but I don't know if he's mad at me, if he's mad at the world, if he's mad at himself, if he's not mad at all, if he's just tired. And I wish that I knew, I wish you communicated that to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes when I ask questions or make assumptions, you're like, no, it's not that. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky one for me. I mean, I fully admit that I have to get better at communicating more and more often and in ways that keeps you on the same page with me. I think I just struggle with it. Sometimes if I'm very much in my head, it's hard for me to bring you along and to see that pathway out. And that's a, for me, that's a deeper trust issue. I have to trust other people will understand. Right. I think and that's super valuable. I think that there are, it's also pretty common for men to, because of how you've been taught to like deal with things, like just deal with just it. Deal right? with and it. so yep. I think that's there. Is there any way that I expect you to read my mind? I think I do that too, especially when I'm so overwhelmed, like maybe hangry, for example, it's yep. like, can't you just figure it out? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your hack? Yeah. So my hack is around food. And I think that at every dinner, um, and this is especially for people who I know more and more of us are working from home and working remotely. That's across the board, really. It's not, it used to be a subset and now it's, you know, a lot of people, but this could be for people who don't work from home, but at dinner, talk about and decide what you want for the next night's dinner. Now that seems pretty basic, but if you really do that, you can decide. And especially when you're working from home, the hack is slowly do small things, tiny things throughout the day that help you prep that dinner. I like to operate from a place of like in the moment want. Yeah, I know. I know. But, but for me, this has been super helpful. Well, it, so, it doesn't matter because you do all the cooking. So you should have whatever you want. Well, and let me say, you know, we have a 10 month old, we have both working full time. We have busy lives and I'm the primary cook in the house. And so for me, if I know what we're having and throughout the day, I can chop up the potatoes or peel the carrots and just have those small little things that hour that I would spend cooking of prep time, doing all that shrinks down to like 20 minutes. And that is such important connection time where I can just pop the thing in the oven or we had yeah, it the other day. To... I couldn't believe it. The three of us were sitting in the living room while something was in the oven versus me with the baby or me chasing somewhere around yeah, and, and you in the kitchen. Like it really was sweet. It has been a, a really game changer. And if you can do that as much as you can know what you're going to have. And then throughout the day, do small little things. It, it saves a ton of time. Okay. What's yours. This is one I really want to work on um, is that I think that really successful couples have mastered is accepting the person for who they are, because I can't really see the benefit of being annoyed with certain parts about you. All I can see is that that would lead to deepening in the annoyance. For example, you are, well, we both are over explainers, but like you're an over explainer and you talk really loud and you talk extra loud when we're around other people. And it's embarrassing for me because it feels like I'm like nervous that their ears or drums are blown up because mine are. And we do have a secret signal. It's an ear pull for lower your voice a little bit. So it's not so disruptive. And I appreciate that. But like, what if I just was like, it's cute or it's, it's part of his charm because I ask you all the time. I'm like, it's part of my charm. Like, you know, what, what would you accept about me that you haven't accepted? Like I told you about the loud that I haven't yet accepted. I think you're good at accepting me, but like, is there something that you, that like kind of, uh, grates on you? 
Well, I, I guess I'll just share because we'll be quick here. The, the first thing that comes to mind is you'll give directions or whatnot in a very direct way. And at the beginning of our relationship, I really struggled with that. I felt like you were upset with me or you were being too mean, for lack of a better term there. In that situation, I'm like, yo, chill. But I have very much learned that's just kind of like you get it out that way. And that's how you, you know, you're just directing that and it's totally fine. And as I have accepted that, oh my God, life is just easier in that aspect. I don't get upset at it. It doesn't bother me. I don't take it personally. And our relationship is, you know, that much better because of it. That's good. That's good. I I do think you're good at accepting. And so thank you for accepting that about me, because to me, that's one expression of being a strong woman and a strong leader. And that's how I perceive that. I got one. I got one. When you're getting dressed during getting dressed, you don't like me commenting on your clothes during the process. You want my opinion and you value my opinion you know, once you kind of ask and you're wearing something you like or whatever, but while you're getting dressed, you know, and I often will have, I'm watching you get ready and whatnot. And we're, we're both getting ready at the same time. And I'll be like, Oh, I like that. But it's, it's important for me. And I've learned you don't, you don't like to receive feedback in that moment. It's kind of a private time getting dressed. I have to be like in my creative zone. I can't even really uh, talk to anybody while I get dressed. Okay. So we got to go, but I just want to say, what are we doing for Valentine's day? Um, I don't think we're doing anything. Just a little bit of sex. <laughs> Great. Yeah. What are you doing for Valentine's Day? Let us know All on right. social media, Reading Loud Podcast. All right. Blessings, y'all. Bye. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.